98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. Three o'clock hour of Burns and Gambo. We are live from the Auction Community Studios here on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. The Arizona Cardinals back on the field today. More of a mental walkthrough kind of practice with the Tennessee Titans. Yesterday was their one like full day going against them in kind of that joint practice setting. And continued attention on Cody Ford, the offensive lineman that the Cardinals acquired just a couple of days ago in the trade with the Buffalo Bills. They gave up a fifth round pick to do it. Cody Ford met with the media today for the first time since his acquisition, and he was asked about playing with the ones and whether the Cardinals <clears throat> just kind of dropped him in there. They kind of gave me a heads up, but it didn't, it didn't really like hit me until there was a, hey, you're going with the ones. Like, all right, well, that's cool. But like I said, football is just football. The question is, is he with the ones because they want to get him the work there? Because they can or because they have to? That's yeah, the question. We don't know yet. I've even, I've even reached out to Justin Pugh to try to find out. You know, there's a lot of speculation right now about that stinger. Is that is that something that's going to cause him to miss some time? You know, Justin Pugh is a very, very good guard. He's done. A, he's been a terrific signing for the Cardinals for the years. A veteran. He's a leader on that offensive line. So to not have him and throw Cody Ford in there, um, you know, you would think that that's part of that. That, that could be a possibility, right? now. I mean, we have to consider that that's a possibility until we hear otherwise on his status. There was a quote from Cliff yesterday uh, when, after Cody Ford worked with the first team, quote, we're excited to be able to have him come out here and pick up enough to go in there was pretty impressive. We've just got to keep spoon feeding him the offense and get him ready for week one, close quote. And it's those words right there, get him ready for week one, that some Cardinal fans were like, okay, Obviously, you want to get him for week one in general, but do you specifically need to get him ready for week one? Like, it's like everyone's trying to parse those words. Well, if he's going to be your number one backup guard, yeah, you got to get him ready either way, right? I mean, he's going to start a backup. He's going to play. But there's a little more. If you know you're not going to have Justin Pugh, there's a little more urgency to get him ready for week one than opposed to if he's just going to be your backup guard. Yeah, Yeah, you got to get him ready. That spoon becomes a lot bigger on the spoon feeding. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's like the sauce spoon instead of like the cereal spoon. It's just like, it's like when you drink from the bowl, you know, like when you've got the bowl of cereal, yeah. and after a while, you know what, you know, just to hell with it, I'm just going to drink right out of the bowl. That's what it would be for if he's starting week one, drop the spoon, I just did. drink out of the bowl, Cody. How does your wife feel about that when you drink out of the bowl? Well, first of all, she doesn't care. Okay, my wife's like, seriously, like, do you never even teach her any manners? Secondly, I'm the only one, especially now since the kids are grown and gone, mm-hmm. I'm the only one in the house who drinks milk or milk products of any kind. I don't have cereal very often. I, I really do. don't. I drink right from the carton. The, it's just, it exists for me. It's only there for me. I was drinking for nobody else. So if I want a swig of oat uh, milk at night, I'm just going to open the lid and take a swig of oat milk. I'm not going to use a glass. So I like, waste the glass. I'm the only one drinking out of it. I like Pedialyte. I like Pedialyte a lot. Like I think Pedialyte is the best. I think it's better than Gatorade or anything. I just love Pedialyte. So, so we always have Pedialyte sport in our house. You know, okay. so sometimes after a workout or something, I'll, so I went home, I got the other day, I opened up the Pedialyte, I start to drink it, and she's looking at me. She's staring at me. <laughs> and I'm like, what? She goes, why didn't you get a glass? I go, I, I'm just drinking out of, like, it's it's like a 
Why would I get a glass? Does, does anybody I mean, else? Why would I get a glass? Does anybody else in the family use she's it? Like other like? people, she's like, well, yeah, cute son, cute our son well, does. Then you should probably use a glass. But then I was thinking, like, well, I don't know. I kind of thought this was just like a like I, this one's mine. Go get him his own. Like this one. I, <laughs> but like I, I'm drinking it and I look up and she's mine. Damn, mine. I mean, it's mine. She got that look. Like, oh my god. Okay. She's gonna kill me. What did I do? She didn't like that I was drinking out of the. Bob, no. out of the, out of the I've been around you long enough to know she has that look on her face. You you, you bring out that look on her face quite a bit. I mean, you you, yeah. you kind of have it coming. That look. I, look, I'm I'm Team Chelsea on this one. If really? there's somebody else drinking out of that bottle, then yeah, use a glass. Well, I kind of thought it was just like maybe it was mine. If you're the only one drinking out of the bottle, Eric, am I? I mean, it, you're a young kid who probably glass? doesn't care about manners. Why, Why waste what you, the glass? I don't know if I don't care about manners. That might be a little bit straightforward, but. I can see where Gambo's coming from, but Bernsey, you're right. Unless it's just for you, yeah. you probably shouldn't take a swig, especially that's if you're sharing it with your kids and stuff. That's why it's best, like in the middle of the night when nobody's, if you go up and get, when everybody's asleep, I'm not getting a glass. Well, at 12 o'clock at night, if I want, I don't know, say I wanted to drink chocolate milk. I'm not getting a glass for the chocolate milk. I can't. I think if somebody else is using it, you probably should. Yeah. But that's, you know, that's just... Do you waterfall? Do you, like, hold it up and no, pour it in? No, I just drink it, you know? Nobody's... <laughs> nobody's can see well, me. If you're water, all sleeping. If, if you waterfall it, then you don't have to yeah. worry about the backwash, right? Yeah. You can just kind of aim it for your mouth and see what happens. My wife's going to be looking at, the, like, the cameras in the kitchen to see if, like, <laughs> are you actually drinking out <laughs> of the container? Yeah. Probably. Cliff King, back to Cody Ford, and we're done mm. with our milk conversation and our Pedialyte conversation. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury was impressed with Cody Ford today. I've been impressed. To, to step in and pick things up and be able to participate really on his first day against another team. Um, did a nice job and just got to keep him coming along. But we love the way he plays, his physical nature, and um, he's a very uh, business-like type player. He does expect Cody Ford to play Saturday against the Titans. Yeah, we want to get him uh, a comfort level of playing in our system and just how we operate and the tempo of things. And, and so I expect him to play a little bit tomorrow. And I guess that's not a big surprise Cliff also told media to the media today the team is still deciding if Zaven Collins and Marco Wilson will start on Saturday. They'll both be game time decisions. Okay. Those yeah. would be the only two guys, really, other than like a Dennis Gardeck who would be considered a starter or a potential starter who could play. So it sounds like they haven't decided whether they want their fringe starting guys to get one more game under their belt or whether they think they're good with those guys. You no, know, it's interesting. I was looking something out of a, out of a Syracuse paper on, uh, on Ford. It says what ultimately led the Bills to trade Ford, who Bean traded up to draft, had little to do with how he was playing. In fact, Bean said Ford was one of the team's best offensive linemen against the Broncos last Saturday in a 42-15 route. Bean just didn't have anywhere to put Ford, who wanted a starting job. Ultimately, he wasn't going to start for us, Bean said at the training facility Tuesday. We had kind of said this was the group that we're rolling with. That decision was made. They didn't trade him because he wasn't playing well. He was actually, they, they, he had said he was one of their best offensive linemen in the preseason, they traded him because he wasn't going to start. Uh, this is one more from Cody Ford and why he thinks this opportunity will work out for him better than the last one did. I mean, you never know. I mean, no, to be honest, no one said that it is going to work out, but the hopes is that it is it that it does. And I think the difference here is that you know I'm. It's a gamble on myself, you know, being that I 
I wanted the, the new opportunity. Like I, I, I've taken this gamble on myself, and that's the beauty of it. It's like I'm whatever happens is all on me. I'm looking at Darren Urban's story on AZCardinals.com right now. The day Cody Ford was drafted in 2019, the day you had reported he was on the short list for the Cardinals, but ultimately it was going to be 33. Yeah. Yeah, ultimately it was going to be Byron Murphy. The day Cody Ford was drafted, he got a text from Kyler Murray. Uh, Cody Ford said, "Quote: Kyler sent me a text that draft day. He said, dude, we're trying. We're trying to make it happen. The Cardinals instead took Byron Murphy. Five picks later, the Bills drafted Cody Ford. And then Ford said, it's very surreal, uh, the fact that he's there right now. He even said that um, that playing next to DJ Humphreys, he considered him to be kind of one of his idols growing up. Wow. Ford smiles at the idea that he can play next to Humphreys. Before he went to Oklahoma, he was a Florida Gators fan, and he watched Humphreys in college and in the pros. Quote, now working next to him, it's crazy. He's very vocal. You can tell he's passionate about this stuff. Close quote. Interesting. So I, I did the connections the go connection of, way back. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it, it, you know, you look at you feel like, oh, this guy was a flop in, in Buffalo, but he really wasn't. Like, he, they've saying he was one of the better preseason guys, and he just, you know, he they they moved him from tackle inside to guard, and it just didn't work out as much as they wanted to. They tried a whole bunch of different guys. They liked his versatility, but it, again, they, they just felt like if you're not going to start, we'll trade you and get something for you. Yeah, surely there was something flawed enough about him, though. The lateral movement like at guard is what yeah. just keeps coming back, is that he didn't move laterally the way that they wanted a guard to move, and that's maybe why he's better, actually better suited to tackle. And you talked about maybe, you know, even down the road, he could end up being a tackle for the Cardinals. It was just announced comedian Tom Segura is headed to Celebrity Theater for a special Netflix taping of his new world tour. Tickets go on sale tomorrow at 10 a.m. You can win a pair of tickets right now by going to the contest page at ArizonaSports.com. Seems like a simple enough question, but the answer might be a little more complicated. Who on the Suns has the most to prove this season? We'll talk about that next on the Burns and Gambo Show. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. The drinking right out of a jug, John Gambadoro, and the far more responsible pour it in a glass if everybody else is drinking out of the jug. Dave Burns here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Should be a poll question. If, no, if nobody would know, would you drink out of the container of milk, yes or no? Eric, if, but if, 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 if you're home and nobody else will know that you did it, do you get a glass or do you drink out of the container? Nobody will know. It's just you and your secret alone. <laughs> it's, it's one o'clock in the morning. You want some, some chocolate milk. Do you go get a glass or do you just say, you know what, I'm going to take a couple swigs right here and be done with I'll it? I'll reiterate and again, put it back. if I know other people are drinking out of the carton, uh, I'm using a glass. I'm out of respect for them. But if, I, if that chocolate milk belongs to me and only me and nobody else is drinking out of it, uh, oh, absolutely. Right out of the jug. I'm just selfish. Well... I don't have good. Hey, look, this is this is me not disagreeing with that. Yeah, this yeah. is this is me not saying you're wrong. Okay. You, know, you might right. be you might be a little selfish when it comes to stuff like that. A glass wouldn't kill anybody. Chelsea, I'm on your side on this one. If you're looking, <laughs> who has the most to prove on the Suns this season? Oh, that's a good question. Who's the most question? to prove? Who has the most to prove? Chris Paul. Okay. Chris Paul. Tell me why. Make a case. 
because he flopped in the playoffs last year. We saw some really bad games. We have, we are questioning what Chris Paul, if Chris Paul has the ability to really win a championship or not. You know, we loved what Chris Paul's brought to this team, but like the honeymoon is over. The honeymoon is over. <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. It is. The honeymoon is over. Those two years, you had the, you had the magical first year. They made it to the NBA finals and lost to Milwaukee. The second year, they won 64 games, but had the really awful exit against Dallas after not playing well against New Orleans. He's getting older. The Dallas Mavericks, they shut him down. And I don't, I don't want to hear about it. he was sick. I don't want no excuses to me. Man, they came up with a game plan to take him out of the game, and he had no answers for it. Monty didn't have an answer for it, and Chris didn't have an answer for it. So to me, I'm going to go with Chris Paul. There was a story this morning on The Athletic, uh, again by Doug Haller, who apparently just, you know what, I want to get on the Burns and Gambo show, so I'm going to write some really good stories, and they'll talk about it today. Doug Haller was the one in charge of picking. They, they went through all the NBA markets, pick one player or coach, and I want to make that distinction, one player or coach who has the most to prove this season. I'll admit, when I clicked on the link today, I fully expected Chris Paul to be the answer. I won. Okay. I 100%. Is that who your answer would be? Um, yeah, okay. it would be. It would I, be. I knew that would be your I'll, answer. I'll make a counter argument, though, for the sake of argument. The guy they picked was DeAndre Ayton. The guy Doug picked was DeAndre Ayton. It's a good pick. If I were going to pick somebody other than Chris Paul, I'd pick Monty. I'd pick Monty. Ooh. I, think, I, think, I think Monty's got Monty got outcoached. Monty got outcoached by, by Jason Kidd and that staff. Twice. He got outcoached by Willie Green. In the first round, he got outcoached. Yeah, twice. once Alvarez starting pressure started to pressure Chris Paul full court, and Chris didn't know what to do. They really struggled to figure out how to get the ball up the court and take some of that pressure over Chris. Look, I feel like and a schmo for saying this about a guy who just won Coach of the Year and yeah. who just set the franchise record uh, you know, for I, wins I, I in a season. Think, I don't think you're wrong, but I I think Monty's got some work to do, and and not that he's he's in no not the regular Jeopardy. season. No, no. See, and that's the problem. The problem is it's that, and nothing is in the regular season. Yeah, the, the problem is during the regular season, he's brilliant. He's great. I have zero complaints. He handles everything really, really well. Uh, my, my complaint is fine-tuned specifically to three moments in the playoffs over the last two years. Up 2-0 against Milwaukee, you lose four of the next five. The series against the New Orleans Pelicans where you were getting out-coached and outplayed, and you only beat them because you had more talent, not because you were scheming it up better. And then in Dallas, where you're up 2-0, and you just got obliterated the rest of the series, it felt like. Monty, He's got, he's in no, of course he's in no jeopardy of losing his job or needing to do well to not lose his job. In my mind, he's got something to prove this year. And, and not only in the postseason. Okay, Aiton, it was an awkward offseason for him. You got to make that work. Chris Paul, to your point, you got to figure out how to maximize his diminishing value, you know, before it really diminishes. Monty's got to put some work in this year, and, and I, I think Chris Paul's the right answer. For me, I'd put Monty Williams number two on the list. Yeah, I mean, in the regular season, we talk about this a lot. In the regular season, you don't have to worry about all these adjustments, because there really aren't that many. You know, you play in three games in a week, or four games in a week, and you're not playing. A, you know, you're not playing a team five in a five, in a seven game series. But in a seven game series, I mean, we saw it especially with Dallas. The first two games, I mean, the Suns looked unbeatable. I mean, they they, they won the first game, they won the second game by twenty. You're up two nothing, and I remember sitting there saying to you, like, we were wondering whether we we're going to come back here or not, whether it was going to come back to Phoenix for another game. I was like, I don't know how Dallas is going to. I was like, that Dallas, the, the Suns are playing. 
check, uh, ch- chess and they're playing checkers. Like it, and then all of a sudden Dallas decided, okay, we got to do some things. We got to trap book and we've got to have our big come out. Every time Chris tries to drive, we're going to have our big come out. We're going to leave DeAndre. We're going to have our big come out, take away that space. So Chris can't throw up that little floater yep. from the spot that he likes. And then with Chris, when he has the ball, we're going to pressure him full court. We're going to put that pressure on him. And then after a while, I said, we're going to put Dory Finney Smith on Chris Paul and we're going to have Dory Finney Smith move back into the paint area. So that way, Chris, we're going to dare Chris to shoot. Chris is not a spot-up shooter. He's not a catch-and-shoot guy. So the, the Mavericks made a ton of adjustments and and that really worked to their advantage, and the Suns didn't make that. A lot of times, a lot of times, the team that's favored to win doesn't feel like they have to make the adjustments because they're the better team. The Suns were up 2-0. The Suns were also up 3-2, you know, and, and so they didn't, maybe they didn't feel like they had to make the adjustments, but every adjustment Dallas made really worked for them. Yeah, really did. And the Suns didn't seem to have a counterpunch to it. I'm thinking about it. I'm going through the roster. First of all, DeAndre Eaton was the pick for this article. Does DeAndre Eaton have something to prove this year? How much does DeAndre Eaton um, have to prove this year? Yeah, I mean, I, sure. I mean, to say no would be ridiculous. He just signed a max contract. Yeah. I mean, you've got to... But I, I've always kind of felt like, and this isn't a cop-out, but I've always kind of felt like, man, he's so... Reliant on other guys. He's so reliant on what other people, if they want to get him involved in the offense. So if, if he does, I mean, how many times have we seen DeAndre Ayton come out in the first quarter, get eight shots, knock down six or seven? You're like, wow, he's playing great. And then he doesn't see the ball for the next two quarters. It's yeah. like, so I, I do think he is reliant on other guys, but does he have something to prove? Sure. I mean, you gotta, gotta continue to find a way to be a better, without JaVel McGee now, right? Be a better rim protector. Block some shots, you know, do, do something. And then offensively, just more awareness of where you are. I mean, how many times have we seen him have a smaller guy on him and not realize it and pass Absolutely. out, pass out of it because he doesn't realize the guy on him is six foot one? I would agree. He is very dependent on others, but he's also, there's a level of passivity to his game that he plays a little too soft sometimes, a little too passive sometimes, so I do think there is pressure on him. He has a lot to prove that he can be a max guy and earn that kind of money. I tell you, if this were if this were like like a boxing, you're, you're the boxing analogy guy, uh-huh. but if we're doing this by weight class, I would agree Chris Paul is probably, but if we're being honest about it, the guy on this roster, regardless of weight class, who has the most to prove? Campaign? Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. If you just take What's expected of you out of the equation? And just say, who's got the most approved this year, regardless of weight class, if you will? Oh, it's campaign. Dude, who are you? Who are you? Who 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 who, who the hell are you? You know, I know that's not the I know that's not the word from the who song, but who who are you? Are you the guy you were when you scored twenty nine in game two against the Clippers? Well, the real campaign, please step up. Or are you the Stand guy up. that was unplayable last year in the postseason? Who are you? You've got to go prove who you are, because if you're not who they think you are or who they need you to be, then that's the move they're going to make. You're gone. There is a feeling in that organization that Dario, and we've said this, that that him playing with Dario is the key, because it really, Dario spreads the floor, opens up the paint. When he's not playing with Dario and he's playing with Javel, you know, there's more size inside, which takes away his strength. His strength is his speed and his first step and getting to the basket. But if you're getting to the basket and there's a bunch 
bunch of bigs around because you've got JaVel McGee and DeAndre Ayton on the floor. With Dario, it's a little bit different. So they do feel like with Dario, he'll be better. We've got the Burns and Gambo Show podcast. It works like all of your favorite podcasts. You can subscribe right now on your iPhone or your Android. We'll digitally deliver the show to you. You'll never miss any of our program. The Burns and Gambo Show podcast. It's brought to you by Carol Royce, Keller Williams, Realty East Valley. Get more money selling your home. Go to carolhasthebuyers.com. That's carolhasthebuyers.com. How can George Klyovkov save the Pac-12? Can he save the Pac-12? That's next on the Burns and Gabo Show. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. John Gambino, Dave Burns here on this Thursday afternoon. Thank you for hanging out with us here on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. We'll talk Cardinals football with Darren Urban from azcardinals.com coming up in about 15 minutes or so. He'll check in with us from Nashville. Always good to talk Cardinals football with him. In the meantime, Pac-12 speculation and wondering about the future of the Pac-12 continues to be one of the front burner items in sports this summer. I don't know if it's going to be resolved anytime soon. It's, it's funny. It is funny. Funny, these college football previews keep coming out, and I keep reading previews for the Pac-12, and it's weird to read about the current state of the Pac-12 and get like thumbnail sketches on USC and UCLA, but at the same time be thinking about the big picture when those schools leave. You know what I mean? Like there is still a short term. There's a season to be played where USC and UCLA and Oregon and Washington are part of the Pac-12, and yet there's you know two years from now we know USC is not going to be yeah. here. We know UCLA is not going to be here. We don't know. We don't know what this thing's going to look like two years. Well, didn't Klyovkov say like got to treat everybody that USC and UCLA at this press conference got to treat everybody the same? They're members of this conference. Yeah, like, they did. Just yeah. like, you know, like just trying to temper be it cool, down a little be bit. Cool. Be cool. Yeah, yeah. And now Oregon. It, it just, it seems inevitable that, you know, you had six at one time with the Big East and the Big East went away. And now the Pac-12, it seems inevitable the Pac-12 is going to go away. And then you'll be down to uh, four, uh, you know, four conferences. And there'll really be the two power conferences, the Big Ten and the SEC, and then the ACC and the Big 12 will be fighting for to survive, but who even knows what happens with the ACC once they get raided by the SEC? Right. Because they're going to raid four teams. That's who they want. The SEC, but there's this right, right of grants thing that that locks everybody into the ACC for a long time. So you can't go get anybody from the ACC right now unless a lawyer figures out a, a way out. But it does seem and I'm kind of sad about this, but look, this is the way of the world. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't think in a couple of years we're going to be talking about a Pac-12. I don't think so either. In the word you use, and I think it's the right word, is inevitable. I mean, no matter, uh, e- even if the Pac-12 is able to, let's say hypothetically, they, they keep Oregon and Washington, and they keep Cal and Stanford, it's only temporary. And, it, and when I say that, understand yeah, I mean yeah. for their next five-year contract with ESPN or whoever, for their next media rights deal, it feels very temporary. It, it feels like it's only a, a Band-Aid solution, and it's just sort of, uh, you know, it's it's not, it's not really a fix. It's more of just, a, okay, we're going to do this to survive for a few years. The word inevitable keeps cropping up again and again about the Pac-12, whether it happens this year or next or five years from now or seven years from now. The long-term health of this conference in the shifting vision of college football, it is inevitable that at some point it's going to go away or be different than what we know now. If I'm George Kliakoff, I'm getting my resume ready. 
I'm trying to get out of here as soon as I can. I'm not going to have a conference. I'm not going to have a job. There was a, there was an interesting story on OutKick, and it talked about, you know, Oregon going to the Big Ten is inevitable. And then it talked about Cal, Stanford, Oregon, and Washington probably will all end up there. That's what's like. And then it said Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, and Colorado will rush to safety in the Big 12. Then it brings up an interesting point. What exactly is the pitch to the teams in the Mountain West to leave and come to the Pac-12 if there's only two schools? Washington and Oregon State. It'd be better, isn't it easier for just Washington State and Oregon State to join the Mountain West? Yes, it would be. Than for the Mountain West to blow up everything they have and become the Pac-12? Yeah. So that's where I think the Pac-12 goes. It says the Mountain West has no reason to play ball with a Pac-12 consisting of only Washington State and Oregon State. Plus, it's easier to move a dozen teams. Is it easier to move a dozen teams to the Pac-12 or just take the last two remaining and move them to the Mountain West? It is. It says basically the Pac-12 has no leverage here. They've got no leverage. There's nothing they could do. If everybody wants to leave, they're going to leave. No, they're there's there, really there isn't anything they could do, and anything they can do again is just a band aid. It's just a temporary fix. If they if they announce tomorrow they've got a new deal with ESPN for the next five years, that's great, and it locks everybody currently in the conference into the conference for the next five years. That's awesome for five years, and then that, when that deal's done, you better believe that anybody who's worth leaving is going to leave. Because here's what's going to happen. And look, the ACC and John Wilner from the San Jose Mercury News pointed this out on social media today, and he's absolutely right. The ACC is in exactly the same boat as the Pac-12. They're just not quite as far along as we are, right? They're in the same boat. Eventually, the SEC and their lawyers are going to come and they're going to get North Carolina and Florida State and Clemson and Virginia. Those are the four schools they would want. Eventually, they're going to get them. Because here is what I believe and a lot of people believe is inevitable in college football, all right? And just I say college football, I mean college athletics, but we're talking just about football here. Eventually, what's going to happen is you're going to have two 20-team conferences that are the powerhouses. With no ties to the NCAA because they're going to get rid of the NCAA. Yep. And, and the cream of the crop, the best of the best, that's where they're going to go. And if you want to be a part of that, you will never say no to an invite to that. If you're Oregon and you want to be a part of that, you will not turn that down. If you're Washington, what's the alternative? Nothing. It, it, what's the alternative? A, a wasteland, Armageddon. I, I mean, the alternative is you're you're out there fighting for crumbs off the table while these forty schools are are getting all of the meal when it comes to college football. Eventually, I hate to be a cynic about this, but eventually, Gambo, that's where this is going. And and, and at some point, the ACC and those four schools, they're going to get raided. And at some point, anything out of the Pac-12 that is worth being a part of that is going to be a part of that mammoth two-conference, 20 teams per conference thing that's going to be college that's football. that's not ASU and U of A. And unfortunately, that's not ASU no. and U of A. No, they're, but that's why you try to say, okay, what's the best the Big 12 can do if the Big 12 is able to add ASU, yeah. Arizona, Utah, Colorado. But the Big 12 is still not going to be a part of this. No. The Big 12 is going to be the best of what's left. I mean, right. Right? I mean, the, it'll be the, the best the, of what's the left. The Big 12 and what's left of the ACC will, the, will be the best of what's left. And that's the, at this point, and things can that's change. The best, that might be the best you could hope for. I, exactly. And that's just what I was going to say. Because at this I, point, if you're ASU, that's probably the best you can do. Because the two teams that look like they're, you know, blank out of luck is Washington State and Oregon State. Nobody wants them. No. Nobody wants them. So Washington State and Oregon State are not in the four teams that it looks like the Big 12 may take. And they're not so, like... 
I mean, think about Washington State, Washington not together, Oregon and Oregon State not together. It's the changing landscape in college football. It's all about money. I'm going to talk about eighty to one hundred million dollars that these that the big conferences are going to get now. Eighty to one hundred million. And here's the other thing: all of these rumors, and they're not even rumors. These reports that Oregon is and 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 um, that Oregon's going to be going and maybe taking Washington with them. How are you going to get a TV deal done if you're the Pac-12? How do you get a TV deal done? You're not. And then at that point, the four corner schools will go to the Big 12 because they feel like they have to. Right. Then what happens to everybody else? I, I don't know. Do Cal and Stanford go to the Big 12 or Big 10 too? Maybe they do because that gives you more West Coast teams and eases up on the travel for your West Coast teams. But this is... You might do year to year if you're a, if you're a TV deal with the Pac-12. Maybe. I'll do a year by year deal with you because I just don't know where you're going to be in a year. this is where it's going. So, so let's, let's not think of the Big 12 as... I mean, yeah, it might be their only option, but let's be honest, it's not a great option. It's not a great option because the party, the club that you want to get into are these 40 schools that are going to make up the Big Ten and the SEC. And if you're not in that party... It, I don't want to say it doesn't matter where you are, but it doesn't matter that much where you are. The Big 12 is fine. It's a, it's a home, but it's you're not... But at least there's a party going on there. Uh, is no. there? Is there? I mean, I think the Big 12 is a decent conference. But you're not... No, the, you're, you're, but you're not going to be. You're, you're not going to... You have nobody to blame but yourself, in my opinion. I said this before. Michael Crow's inability to give a damn about the football program at ASU has cost ASU any chance to get in on, on these big schools. 100%. Okay, when you, when you don't care about football and, and, and you continue to have the mediocrity that ASU is, and let's not mistake this, and I, I want ASU to do well, but they are mirrored in mediocrity. Mirrored in mediocrity. I mean, that's what ASU is. Uh, you know, they're, 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 there's no consistency on being good, and that has hurt ASU. Whether they would have got in or not, I don't know, but this is a good market. It's it's a good place to be. There's a lot to do here in the in the offseason when it's uh, when the weather's great, but you know, you're, you don't have a program strong enough to support it. The Arizona Cardinals have had a busy week getting ready for their final preseason game. How have things gone in Nashville? We'll head there and find out next on the Burns and Gambo Show. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. Cardinals are in Nashville, Tennessee. Their joint practices with the Tennessee Titans this week. They had the big one yesterday. Today was more of a walkthrough. Of course, the preseason finale coming up on Saturday. And then it's go time after final cutdowns and a couple of weeks waiting for September 11th. It will be time to start the season against the Kansas City Chiefs. And joining us right now here on the Arizona Sports Line, our good friend from azcardinals.com who is in Nashville with the team. Of course, I'm talking about the lead writer for azcardinals.com, Darren Urban, who joins us here on the Burns and Gambo Show. What's going on, Darren? How's uh, Nashville treating you? Oh, it's been lovely. I'm just very excited to be on with longtime radio host Burns and Gamble. That's that's all that matters to me. <laughs> I go back to uh, when Darren was at the Tribune and they had a hell of a staff, and that was a really, really good paper. Back with you and Jerry Brown and Scott. I mean, you guys had a hell of a staff. And Price covering baseball. You guys did have Ed a really Price. good staff back then. Yeah, you guys were killing and, and, and the, uh, the uh, Bob, Bob Moran. Bob ASU. Moran, of course. The I was, uh, Bob that, was, uh, that, was, uh, that was an A-plus team right there, Darren. 
glory days gone by. Uh, so that's a long, long time ago. I'll it was. Right it now. was. Hey, let's let's talk about this because you know, with with the starters seeing very little action in the preseason, I was excited about the ability for the ones to go up against the ones in these practices. You know, the top wide receiver against the top corner, the top left tackle against the top pass rusher. Have you seen a lot of that? Well, I mean. Yeah, I, no, you you really haven't seen a lot of it. There were still, I mean, they had the one practice yesterday. The the second one was was canceled because of all the injuries on both sides. Um, you know, you saw some of it, Gambo. I mean, Kyler was actually out there for the one time going against uh, more or less a first unit defense. But you know, his wide receivers were mostly none of the guys that he's going to be throwing to him. It was it was Greg Dortch and Andy Isabella. You got Rondale Moore's banged up right now. AJ Green's banged up right now. Hollywood Brown was out there, but DeAndre Hopkins is still isn't really doing any eleven on eleven. So it's it it, it was good for what they wanted to do. Um but it's funny, I, I think I think for this team, and I know a lot of people kind of were like, well, wait a minute, they they only did one day of, of joint work. And, you know, again, it would have been nice if everybody would have been healthy on both sides and you would have done two days. But I, I think the Cardinals are also trying to turn this into uh, maybe a team bonding that you don't necessarily get because you don't go to Flagstaff anymore and you're you're at the wigwam and, and guys, some guys go home at night, a lot of guys go home at night. So... You know they're doing. You know they, they try to get together. They're they're doing a a, a team event tonight out uh, for dinner and some stuff uh, to try and do a little bit of that bonding. So they're they're trying to make this more than just about the joint practice because obviously with just one one practice against another team, it's not this overwhelming help. I would think. You're there around the team. You're obviously with the team every day. We talked about it a little bit during the show. Did the did the vagueness of Cliff's answer about Antonio Hamilton raise eyebrows among the media that's there covering the team in Nashville? Because it did seem uh, an odd way to answer the question, and one that you know, at a position that's you know paper thin as it is, it's it's a loss they can least afford to have at this point with anybody at that position. Was that was that a Concern the answer to that question yesterday? Um, well, let me start. We were so like, uh, did we raise eyebrows with the media? Was there? There's not a whole lot of media. Here, okay, that's true. There's, there's Jose from the Republic and Channel 12, and that's it. Besides uh, my group, but um, yeah, of course, of course, it makes you pause. Um, now, there's un- you know, unfortunately, there's a lot of different directions this can go um, because now we are approaching close enough to the regular season that. Maybe Cliff wants to play a little bit of hide-and-seek when it doesn't mean that much, but get people thinking. There's always that possibility. But, you know, the day before when, when Antonio Hamilton wasn't out at practice uh, when we were still in uh, Arizona, he said he was at a doctor's appointment. And I took that to mean, like, literally like a doctor's appointment. You know, maybe maybe he had to get something not injury-related done, uh, and that was the only time he could get in or whatever. And then you start realizing with his answer yesterday that the doctor's appointment was literally like to check out an injury, um, which was stupid thinking on my part, I think. But, um, 
Yeah, it's uh, of course it's a concern. I mean, here's a guy who you just said was your number two cornerback, and now he's saying you'll see what happens, what his situation is week one, which even if he plays, if he ends up on the injury report, that has to give you some concern. So, yeah, I mean, Byron Murphy, I think, has played pretty well in, in camp, uh, and he played well in the joint practice. He's obviously not playing in games, but beyond that, you you got to wonder, and you got to keep thinking that at some point here, there's got to be a veteran added. I, I thought that the whole time. That really, ha- I haven't changed my mind on that. Um, it's just a question of, of who and when. Yeah, I truly believe that they're trying to pull off a trade right now. But I mean, obviously, it takes two to tango. But they would be willing to part with draft inventory to go get a a veteran corner. I think that's the plan. We'll see if it happens. Let me ask you about Cody Ford because if I go back to you know the draft that year when uh, when they were looking at 33, they, they had they had. Byron Murphy, Juwan Taylor, A.J. Brown, and Cody Ford were the guys that they were locked in at going into that second round. They ended up taking Byron Murphy, but I know very well that Cody Ford was a strong possibility for them. Give me your thoughts on you know them liking them liking him back then and being able to get him now. I mean, I, I, I think it helps. I, I think if they don't have a rash of injuries, I don't know if it happens. Um, I mean, I think they thought Danny Isadora was having a pretty decent camp uh, as a potential backup guard, and, and they had Justin Pugh, but now you're probably not going to have Isadora for a little while, and we don't know exactly what's going on with Justin Pugh, and all of a sudden you're in this position that makes it tough. And fortunately, they have some comp picks coming from the lost free agents that'll give them a, they give them a little bit of extra from the draft uh, stock that they have that they can afford to give up a fifth and you hope that Cody Ford can continue what by all accounts he was doing in Buffalo in camp and in the preseason which was playing pretty good football unfortunately between injuries and just performance uh, he disappointed in Buffalo the last three years so I don't think this is any guarantee but you get him here you get him to a good offensive line coach in Sean Kugler you get him in a comfortable situation with a couple of uh, ex-college teammates in Kyler Murray and Hollywood Brown he called today the the vibe in the offensive line room immaculate he loves all his new teammates it was funny he he even said that growing up when he was in high school the guy he watched playing college and who he loved was dj humphreys i never thought i would hear dj humphreys <laughs> being the guy that some dude he's playing with was looking up to him <laughs> watching him when he grew up i'm sure dj loved that being out there but uh, i just think cody ford is happy right now with this other chance and the other thing I love about Cody Ford was somebody said, uh, I think it was Cam Cox said, um, why is it going to work in Arizona? And Cody Ford said, well, no one said it's going to, We're, uh, but I'm betting on myself and I'm going to give it everything I can. And I like the idea that he's just not assuming a change of scenery automatically changes things that he still has work to do. And I, and I think that'll help him in the long term. Last question for Darren Urban here on the Burns and Gambo show from azcardinals.com. Final preseason game coming up on Saturday. Is running back and kind of the future at running back the, for lack of a better way of putting it, the position to watch going into this game? Because it does seem as if there's some question marks there. Uh, I think possibly. Um, I would. I wish I knew more about the Jonathan Ward injury to the shoulder because if that's going to keep him out a little while, that make make some decisions for them going into the season. Um, I, I think we have to watch corner and see what guys might show out. But 
honestly, I, I know this could make a difference in one or two guys, but I, my guess is they have a pretty good idea what their roster is going to look like, who they're trying to cut, who they're trying to get through to the practice squad. Um, I don't know if there's a whole lot left to be decided in this game, you know, barring an injury, which you hope never happens. Darren, we appreciate the time. Uh, enjoy the travels in a beautiful, beautiful city with a lot of fun things to do. I'm sure you will find them all in your time there. We appreciate you coming I don't on. Know, I, I don't know what you're talking about, Burgess. I have just, no idea. It's just because your wife listens to the show and you want to make sure you know, you're sending along a message that all is well. Sure. We, we get it. Yeah, sure. Wink, wink, Darren. You bet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm sure you just... I, I'm glad we were able to help you out and get you on today yeah. so she knows that you're yeah. really working. <laughs> I, I've been to Nashville before before, and she knows all my stories, so I don't think that's right. going to change anything. Darren's Thanks, sitting in the hotel room watching film every night. Oh, Nothing okay. to see here. Oh, that's all that's going on. We're good. Thanks, Darren Urban from AZCardinals.com. What did you say? He was going to buy us lunch if we put him on just now? <laughs> of course. Well, we just had it. We keep maintaining the illusion, so lunch right, on yeah, Darren yeah, the next yeah. time we see him. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, the Diamondbacks starting pitching. Very good. The bullpen. Very bad. That's next. Burns and Gambo.